everybody. Welcome to a Prog Report podcast. This is Roy, and I'm joined here with Jeff Bailey. Hey, Jeff. How are you, man? Hey, Roy. Hi, everybody. Uh, so this is, uh, if anybody's read the title of this podcast, uh, The Bees of Prog, um, this is part of our A to Z series, which was started many, many months ago, and we uh, just got really tied up in other things and the holidays mm -hmm. and um, a million other interviews and podcasts that... We just could never get to this one, but um, it's a series that we really like. The response to the first one was great, and uh, so we're going to try another one here. We tackle things that have to do with the letter B. Uh, just a, a quick recap before we get started, a reminder to subscribe uh, to the podcast. Uh, it's on Apple, it's on Google, it's on Spotify, and uh, special episodes, um, usually the top fives and ultimate albums and things like that are on YouTube, so make sure you follow that and check out all our socials. Um, but anyway, uh, moving on to this one. All right, so we each have three items uh, having to do with the letter B. Um, we, we Our plan with doing this is always going to be to pick maybe one album, one artist, one topic, um, one song, you know, things along those lines. And certainly we're going to miss a hundred different things. And mm -hmm. we're happy for you to tell us what we missed and should have picked, which is totally fine. Um, so Jeff, if it's cool, I'm going to go ahead and start with my first thing yep. having to do with the letter B. Certainly. Uh, and, uh, you know, time, timeliness on this actually, uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm going to bring up Transatlantic's second album, Bridge Across Forever, mm -hmm. uh, which came out in 2001. Uh, the time we had this idea, it was celebrating its 20th anniversary last year. <laughs> Um, right. and, uh, there was a vinyl reissue that was really nice, uh, through inside out and, um, you know, just one of our, uh, all of us on the prog report and, and certainly for Jeff, I mean, it's among mm. our favorite albums ever. It's in my top five, 10, 20 albums, whatever you want to put it at. And, uh, an album that had a great influence and effect on me. And a lot of us, uh, a lot of our younger prog listeners that, you know, came from the dream theater, Mike Portnoy camp and. Um, you know, near in 2000, 2001, when Transatlantic came out, it was, you know, a lot of people discovering this maybe hadn't even heard old Genesis or old, you know, Pink Floyd yeah. or old Yes yeah. albums. And this was like that for those people. Um, and, uh, you know, just four songs, two that are about 30 minutes, the, the mm -hmm. you know, the, the prog classic, uh, uh, Stranger in Your Soul, which is just an all-timer forever uh duel with the devil uh sweet charlotte pike and um and the the uh, ballad uh you know the shorter track bridge across forever which is which is really nice track as well kind of gives you a break before the long final track there um it's a flawless record from beginning to end it's perfect um yeah that's that's sort of my my t tiny bit i, I mean we've yeah. We've talked about this album a thousand times, you know, on our podcast, but it's certainly when I was looking at different albums that start with the letter B, others that came up, um, Brain Solid Surgery, certainly the ELP mm -hmm. classic, um, Blackwater Park from Opeth, mm -hmm. Spock's Beard, Beware of Darkness, um, there's a lot of other ones, um, but uh, th this one for me is just a favorite of out of all of those, so that's why I chose to talk about this one a little bit, and the reason why I said timeliness is because... In uh, just uh, about a month is going to be Morse Fest, where Transatlantic yep. is going to be. They're doing a full weekend, two shows, and uh, certainly I'm, I think they'll play something from this because they're doing two nights of of tracks. So you never know. But um, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a good time to bring it up. Yeah. 
I mean, in, interesting things, things that sort of come to mind, um, bridge across forever. Um, the, the, the title track is a song that Neil wrote way, way back in the early nineties. And in fact, um, on some of his inner circle releases, the, the first sort of version of it was sung by a, by a female. I think it was maybe inspired by book bridges of Madison County or something. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure, but anyway, yeah, you know, but uh, when you hear it in its first incarnation, you wouldn't really imagine it as a, as a song on a prog album. That's for sure. Um, I think the other thing is that, you know, no one's really ever pulled off an Abbey road side two type thing, yeah. uh, to the same extent that sweet Charlotte Pike does. And again, I think that was genuinely a, the band had lots of shorter song ideas and sometimes they those get mashed up into a, you know, an epic. And sometimes, you know, the, the approach was, well, let's just string them all together, and um, it's really good. And and then the absolute genius follow up to that being when they did it live, they pieced in all of the Abbey Road, yeah, <laughs> Abbey that's Road badly really as yeah. as well, and made it all join up. And that was done. That was done in one of the cruise to the edges wasn't it mm-hmm. yeah not, uh not so long ago yeah um and and there's there's so many little little nuggets of brilliant brilliant songs within that and of course stranger in your soul you know one of the most complete epics i think i think as an album i mean it's way more of a favorite of mine than the first album and it's not that i don't don't like the first album but i, I certainly would you know Br- bridge is is really far ahead um further ahead than the, for me than, than the first than the first album ever ever was and yet the first album's got some amazing classic songs on it too yeah. it's got that Prugal Harem cover on it that I just never quite kind of clicked with me but um yeah Bridge no the first now. one's great I mean the first one if it if they never followed up if it was a one-off album and they never did mm-hmm. anything again then the first one I'd probably say was in my top 15 albums you know, because it's that good and, and, and had such an impression. It's yeah. just that they really took it up a notch with this one. Yeah. Which was shocking, <laughs> you know. Indeed. And then if, if you want to go whirlwind after that, which is even, you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's really amazing. Uh, uh, yeah. Awesome band. Yeah. So that's where we're going with the first one. Um, Jeff, you're up. Your pick. Okay. Uh, lots of words beginning with B now. Babble, burble, banter, bicker, 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 brouhaha, balderdash, ballyhoo. <laughs> and um, some of our favorite you, words. You might have guessed that my my B is Adrian Ballou. Um, what can I say about Adrian Ballou? Uh, so I suppose, you know, someone who, who definitely has his place in the history of, of Prague um, began with uh, probably came to prominence first with Frank Zappa. Who will be we'll be covering in twenty twenty nine when we get to uh, Z or Z in the uh, A to Z of Prague, I'm sure. Um, and David Bowie then um, playing playing live with him and playing some of his albums, then Talking Heads, um, Tom Tom Club, that connection. Then he started to make a few solo albums, um, and then connected in with obviously with King Crimson, Robert Fripp, and. Um, made that trio of uh, albums, Discipline, Beat, and Three of a Perfect Pair 
and which are really three excellent albums that completely you know i think they 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 brought the sort of the king crimson spirit um but, but actually you know they're not i suppose you had kind of the british contingent and the marillions of this world taking prog in a in a kind of classic direction um and those crimson albums you know did, did something completely different with that you know robert fripp had spent a lot of time in america obviously tony levin and, and adrian blue were american as well um he also has a huge number of solo albums everything from um classical to um i'm trying to remember what's called i think it's desire caught by the tail which is an album where every sound in the album is made using a guitar um from kind of bashing it to for for drums to to all the sounds um you've got kind of mr music head which is a sort of beatlesy pop album um experimental stuff instrumental stuff with his trio in recent years he's got flux which is a an app that basically plays a selection of music an endless selection of little kind of snippets all put together um and yeah just you know in terms of guitar players completely inventive completely original yep um and uh actually the other day i was listening once again to an album that came out in 2017 called gizmodrome which was him teamed up with um Stuart Copeland from the police and Mark King um, level from level 42 and an Italian keyboard player called Vittorio Cosma from FPM um, and an album of, 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 of brilliant tunes. Um, so yeah, Adrian Ballou, certainly one of the, one of the classics. I mean, his discography is crazy and certainly mm. I'm not familiar with a good part of it. Um, his solo stuff I remember a little bit from when he was on MTV during mm -hmm. that period. He made a couple of really quirky videos. And, um, yeah. you know, I remember the bending guitar that he had in one of them, I think. Yep. Uh, what song was that from? I don't remember. Um, I can't remember either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember seeing him live a few times recently on Cruise to the Edge and uh, uh, Prognation at Sea. I think he was on that one too with his trio. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're amazing. Um and uh yeah i mean he's a brilliant guy and but from every estimation i mean people that have talked to him that met him on the on the cruise and you know told stories he seems like the nicest guy which yeah. has been very very nice to hear i i understand that um there's a there's a king crimson documentary coming out that's got a bit of publicity over the last few weeks i understand yeah, i have to see that it, 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 they're it, saying it's amazing i understand he's he's quite annoyed about how all of that kind of worked out um i don't i don't think it was is he in the, it did they leave him out you know yeah no no he's in it but I, but i think that he is he's quite um he, he he kind of pretty much speaks his mind about how things worked out with that which is did he have a falling out with fripp at the end yeah I, I, i'm not exactly sure what the whole story is um but uh yeah you know i guess that mm. that's that's probably just what happens i've only i've never you're talking about seeing him live i've only ever seen him live once which was what, about 1990 um when he toured with david bowie and this was the when david bowie did his i'm gonna play all of these songs for the last time ever and he didn't really stick to that but right. it was a tour of the hits and i can remember going to see him in dublin and um you know i was more interested in watching adrian Ballou play <laughs> than david bowie so you know 
everybody was facing you, you know Bowie, though that's pretty cool oh no well he well i mean it was amazing for sure but uh, you know my, my head was kind of about sort of 20 degrees at a different angle than than it, than everybody else yeah and i'm pretty sure there was a few times that he clocked us that we were staring at him while Bowie <laughs> was doing all sorts of wonderful stuff over the other side of the stage but Makes but i'm sense. sure with the lights he didn't but uh, that's funny well actually my next uh, uh word i guess person uh i'm mm. gonna say with the letter b plays right into this um because he was on a few albums with adrian Ballou uh in the 80s uh, mm. but i'm gonna bring up uh bill bruford um mm -hmm. i mean obviously if you're gonna go with drummers he's at the top of most lists mm. and um i mean i just went it's such a long incredible history of things that he's done I had to just write a bunch of it down, honestly, from just like Wikipedia, because it's just insane. So if you, I'm just going to read some of this, these notes that I wrote off, but I mean, played with Yes, King Crimson, Genesis, UK, Anderson, Rufford, Wakeman, and Howe, Brand X, some other things, um, his own group, obviously, um, Rolling Stone ranked him number 16 on the uh, 100 Greatest Drummers of All Time, inducted into the Hall of Fame with Yes. I mean, the Yes albums he played on... Uh, yes, Time in a Word. Yes, album Fragile, Close to the Edge. I mean, that's as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. Leaves that band because figures he's done everything he can do. It's no longer interesting. Joins King Crimson and plays on iconic records with them. Lark's Tongues and Aspic, Starless and Bible Black, Red. Uh, does a live album. Then tours with Genesis when they switched, uh, when uh, Peter Gabriel left and they need another drummer. Then he joins UK, tours with them. Um, then he goes back to King Crimson and does uh, a, a few years on, yep. and does Discipline, Beat, Three of a Perfect Pair, and Thrack. Um, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It, it, who's done that much? Yeah. I mean, certainly people have done a lot of records, but I mean, everything on that list is as yeah. iconic as it gets. It's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Uh, Ret retires at the age of 59 um yep. plays on a few other things uh rick wakeman six wives of henry the eighth chris squire's fish out of water mm -hmm. steve Howe beginnings he's on seconds out from genesis um mm -hmm. and we i think we talked about it recently in the live stream we did but he, news came out that he he's putting out a, a six disc box set yeah with uh, some of the best stuff from his career it features you know things like uh, heart of the sunrise and some King Crimson stuff and, you know, it's all put into a really nice collection that comes out at the end of April. So, um, I mean, when you're talking drummers, B, the letter B or not the letter B, I mean, hmm. it's, um, he's on the Mount Rushmore of drummers. Yeah. Plain and simple, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I mean, I think the thing about Bruford for me is that, you know, and I'm not saying other people don't have musical integrity, but if you look at the changes in his career, you know, he seems to be someone who is purely driven by how interesting the music is to him. Mm -hmm. You know, why would you leave? Yes. You, you know, you've just created close to the edge and, and he leaves. So he, le he left before the tour, right? You know, knowing where their trajectory was going, knowing that you'd made that album, but he was no longer interested. Um, and he joined King Crimson, which, you know, was, uh, you know, had gone through lots of lineup changes um and, and came out i mean lark's tongues an aspect you know it's now a classic but but at the time you 
you couldn't listen to that album and think, you know, that's going to be something. We, we, did people at the time think it was going to be a classic? I don't know. That ended, um, you know, he, he did, you know, various things, um, you know, but, but then eventually went and did Earthworks, his jazz band, and sort of left most of the rock stuff behind. Um, you know, he came back to do the union thing with Yes, and you can kind of tell, you know, he was a, you know, he always felt like he was a slightly reluctant participant in 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 that whole world sure. and you know never went back and then decided to retire is doing academia um it, it, you know is doing is doing all that stuff and you know never you know ha hasn't come back and in, in interviews people ask him and he goes well i haven't you know picked up drumsticks for years you know um, so, so I think, I mean, he's got an incredible integrity. He's also got a really, really good autobiography that he's written, which is, which is a really interesting read. Um, but yeah, ultimately defining, um, you know, a, a defining drummer in Prague. I think he always says about when he joined, yes, he thought he was joining a jazz band and sort of couldn't really believe that he joined a rock group, but kind of kept <laughs> doing his thing and it all seemed to work. So there you go. Yeah, that's a great one. Okay, you're up. Uh, what's your next pick? Okay, it's me. And I'm going to talk about an album um, that begins with B. Uh, 1994 is the year. And um, I suppose the musical world is in the, in the height of um, probably grunge and things like that. And Marillion um, produced the album Brave. Um, so... You know the history the story so far fish has left um they made um a couple of albums which were commercially quite successful um but certainly holidays in need and i think the, the band felt a certain amount of pressure to produce hit singles and they then decided with brave we're just going to make the album that we want to make they took themselves off to a to a chateau um and the album it is inspired by a story that I think Steve Hogarth read about a girl being found wandering on a bridge, um, not knowing who she was. And they kind of built the story up around that. And um, sonically, it's a it's a really, really interesting album, particularly um, a couple of years ago when they um, was kind of remixed, I think, by Stephen Wilson. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, and the surround version of it is just it's just absolutely incredible um it's got a whole lot of stuff but a whole lot of very sort of atmospheric more experimental type music and i suppose maybe hearkening to something I hate to make genesis comparisons but you know the lamb lies down in broadway has those little kind of strange tangents but then it has the straight ahead songs um and it's just got a whole lot of uh you know great songs um you know, from Living with the Big Lie, Hollow Man, a bit more of a ballad, Hard as Love, a rock song, Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury. Um, the and escape. then the ending of The Great Escape mm -hmm. and the acoustic made again. What I didn't know whenever I was doing my, my research for tonight, um, today, depending on when you're listening to it, um, is, is that actually the, the vinyl uh the vinyl version of this when it came out which i guess in 1994 probably vinyl was you know probably 10 years past what most people were buying but it had a double groove so depending on on where you put the needle down you got you either got the regular ending of um 
the great escape and made again um but if you hit the second groove you've got a a, a different version of um a, a different version of the great escape and then seven minutes of the sound of running water really you can yeah. do that <laughs> yeah yeah that. you can't well it's there's there's like um there's a multi python album that they kind of was like that so so yeah they did that so i ne I never knew that existed and i think the, the, awesome. those individual as individual songs are on are on bonus discs somewhere and oh. then it became a live extravaganza and again they, they've done that a few times um over the years at their Marillion weekends but you know um hogarth really enters into the part and he he kind of he he kind of makes himself up at one point puts his hair pigtails and then these kind of bodyguards rush the stage and take them off the stage and stuff like this. And yeah, it's, it, it you know, they put the full drama, the full concept um, piece behind it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a really good album. It is a good album. Uh, do you think either that or marbles is the, best representation of the Hogarth era? I mean, those always seem to be the two that are brought up, but would you say Brave is the one that maybe is more of a favorite? Is is that a loaded question? Mar Marbles, Marbles is an album that I just really struggle with. <laughs> I would say that probably, yeah, uh, Marbles, I, 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 uh, I think at the time I was really disappointed in Marbles and I couldn't get it. I think now there's enough of the songs that are standout tracks for me, but I think I'm sort of scarred by my by my first impressions of it. <laughs> Certainly Brave when it came out to me was just um was was just incredible. Um and I mean I think it probably is their probably in terms of the I mean it was their last one with EMI. I no it wasn't afraid of sunlight it was with EMI, but I think probably commercially probably things kind of changed for them after that a little bit um but yeah a really good album and also one featured in in one of the finest books about progressive rock the essential Indeed. modern Indeed. progressive rock albums by roy Aven, available available in ebook form on progreport.com if you're Indeed. interested plug uh and, uh, and of course merlion has a new album that just came out an hour before it's dark which is, uh, you know, one we all pretty much seem to like. It's getting great reviews, and it's a, a nice record from them as well. So, yeah, check that absolutely. out. Absolutely. Um, so, trying to come up with what other things are with B, <laughs> and sort of a easy way to lump a bunch of things all into one. Um, I'm gonna go with bassists as my B word mm. for my final pick. And uh, I mean, what is progressive rock without? Some of these names, uh, Chris Squire, Getty Lee, John Wetton, Tony Levin, Mike Rutherford, Pete Ravas, Nick Beggs, John Myung, Billy Sheehan, Randy George, Dave Maros, Jonas Reingold, um, just to name a few <laughs> that, yep. uh, that I thought of. I mean, these are really important names in all the music that we have listened to. It's, you know, I mean, maybe in, in throughout the history of rock there was always this thing where the bassists were the forgotten musician hmm. and mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of maybe mid 80s 90s bands where it was focused on the singer maybe if you had a flashy guitarist and the bassist went largely unheralded in a hmm. lot of bands um but certainly not in 
in this genre and not in these bands. It's absolutely a focal point. Uh, in many cases, lead songwriters, you know, um, uh, some found founders of the band, some are the vocalists. I mean, John Wetton, one of the great voices of all time. Um, and, uh, and a lot of these are, you know, sounds, I mean, you can pick out a Chris Squire bass sound in two yep. seconds, you know, and, and the same for Tony Levin, I think is, is one of those guys as well. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I think, uh, it's an important instrument, uh, in the way that any instrument is important in Prague. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, it's not one that's forgotten or pushed to the back, not, not in this genre. So that's why I thought gives us a, a good reason to, to mention it and talk about a bunch of these bassists. I mean, is there any names? That I obviously I forgot a bunch of names, but anybody that stands out the top of your head that maybe I, I forgot. Um, I don't think you mentioned Pete Trawas. I did. Um, who who uh, who who we've has has been involved in at least two of the things we've talked about so no, no, far. No, no, I meant um, absolutely mentioned them, of course. And did, okay, um, and I, I mean again that you know connecting it into Bruford and let and uh, and Bill Bellew, um, you know Tony Levin. You know whose career spans, you know, um, right back to, you know, nineteen seventies Lou Reed albums, um, right the way through. You know the brilliant um, P uh, Peter Gabriel albums, and again, apart from probably Nick Beggs, there's not really anybody else who has tackled that kind of Chapman stick style of playing. Certainly, it's it's a it's a very distinctive sound. And I was thinking way back, I mean, a lot of, I think if you probably talk to a lot of prog bass players, you know, a lot of them will point back to, um, you know, McCartney and yeah. probably the kind of Pepper and Beyond era, you know, where the bass guitar was was high in the mix, was doing really interesting um, melodic things. Um, and, you know, Jack Bruce probably as well in Cream, um, you know, bass as, as lead instrument, John Entwistle, um in the in the who that kind of very trebly um type sound and then i think it kind of you know in the in the you were talking about the 80s and the 90s you know either the bass player was uh you know the the long-haired uh you know single note uh right a lot of times they were just five. writing one eighth note just the whole song you know <laughs> or, that or, kind of simple or, stuff or else they were, you know, the mad thumb slap in the bass, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Mark King uh, type um, type type style of player, um, uh, and then it all kind of probably normalized normalized out a bit. Um, oh, Dave Larue. Know, sorry, I got to mention Dave, Dave Larue. I'm looking at Indeed. a picture of flying colors, and I, and he um, does and he does that, and kind of it's not it's not cheesy or it's not kind of retro, um, but but I think that. I think yeah i mean it's definitely a really important instrument um and i was watching and listening um a bit of a crimson mode at the moment listening to some of the the 1970s john wetton stuff and you know incredibly inventive and you know a lot of the improvised stuff that they were doing but 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 even just the fact that he was playing and this was Getty Lee as well playing and singing really really complicated stuff that you know just don't bear any resemblance you know it's not like you're strumming a guitar um you know that 
I'm always amazed by people who can play complicated bass lines and sing at the same time that there must be some kind of patting your head and rubbing your stomach type separation that those people the king of that I just he's just doing completely different things while he's singing and it's you wonder how much work goes into that or if it's even just easy for somebody like that but um yeah all right that's that's a fun topic let's hear it for bass players yeah bass players (laughs) Uh, okay, what's your last one? And and talking of bass players, well, there's a bass player in this band. Um, yes, we should give him so a shout. But you words words beginning with B, uh, Bard, Black with Ink, uh, Bats in the Belfry, Brave Captain. Uh, my my last B is BBT, Big Big Train. Um, and I think I definitely definitely want to give them a shout out in in this letter. Um, seeing as they've got two Bs in their name and of course greg spotton um being founder member and currently bass player not originally the bass player but um again just thinking about big big train you know number one they've been going for 32 years (laughs) you sort of i mean they found it 10 years ago in 1990 um you know so they've been a band that's been going for a very very long time um some periods more active than others um I, i i plugged into them and 2007 i'm sure i've said it before in the difference machine purely because the album featured nick de virgilio and dave maros um and i read about it somewhere and thought well i'll check it out because i like those guys and of course nick then became a full-time member um from the next album but but you know again i guess for a lot of people the 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 kind of the classic era begins um you know, with I suppose the underfall yard um, onwards, but but I was just looking down through it and going, you know, in the last ten years, English Electric One, English Electric Two, Folklore, Grimm's Pound, Second Brightest Star, Grand Tour, Common Ground, Welcome to the Planet, eight albums, Amazing. just awesome from from twenty twelve onwards. Yeah, never mind the EPs, never mind the live albums, you know, and and. Each of those albums is, you know, has just amazing stuff in and of their own right. And I, I mean, I'm kind of guessing most people who, who listen to this probably have, have checked out Big Train. But honestly, if you haven't, even their most recent album, um, Welcome to the Planet, has just some incredible um, music on it. And, and I think there's just that real sense of, you know, for, for so many years, um, excited anticipating every release and seeing them taking it to the next level and to the next level and to the next level every time and you know some members have have come and gone um you know the roles of different people in the band have expanded Nick's writing more stuff you know when he didn't for the first number of albums um you know they've brought in Carly Bryant who's writing some stuff as well and the band just seems to you know to meta metamorphosize and you know, it it goes without saying, mixed with tra- tragedy and sadness at the passing of David Longan, um, just not so long ago. Um, and and who knows what's next for for Big Big Train? But you know, if they did nothing else, there's a absolutely incredible catalogue of music there um, to explore. It, yeah, I mean, they're really hitting a nice peak, releasing two albums in a span of about six months. Mm. with plans to tour in the U.S. and their audience is certainly the biggest it's been 
in their long career at this point. So just tra tragedy and terrible timing on many levels. But, you know, one of the great bands ever and one of my favorite bands ever. And it's amazing. I, I love the part about discovering new bands that to me, that's the <laughs> most exciting thing about yeah. music. And it's and, and when I get when I discover a band to anybody that knows me well, I must be the most annoying person on earth yep, at that point. That's 100% true. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just, I, I, Nick DeVirgilio was on some best drummers poll, and obviously I was a huge fan of his for many, many years, but yeah. I didn't know about Big Big Train. Here in the U.S., I'm telling you, they were zero mm. uh, awareness about this band before 10 years ago. Mm. Zero. And uh, he's like on some best drummers poll from big being in Big Big Train. I'm like, well, what, what is that even? So I go and I check out for the first English Electric. I think I just bought it because yeah. there wasn't anywhere to hear it. And I mean, it was like discovering gold. It, it yeah. really blew my mind in such a way that I was listening to that album incessantly for months. And it's one of those things like, I would send it to a friend and call them. Have you listened yet? <laughs> would you, I, I just got it. It's been an hour. But it's been an hour. Listen to it already. What are you waiting for? I'm telling you, you're going to like it. And this is what I do to people until they finally listen. And and uh, and then part two comes out, and that even just blew me away more, and and so on. And then it just be, and then and then I was hooked, and I got on everything else. And I just think it's one of the great bands. The writing is just so unique and full of stories and detail and emotion and every everything it's just it's just there's no one like this band um yeah. i'm a, I think, a huge huge fan i mean i think that you know they also are a band who um to, to me they're a very fan or orientated band as well you know they've got a very loyal fan following who you know who are behind them who spread the word um and not kind of you know sort of blinkered sycophantic type way um but but i think i think there's that element of um well they have the passengers club but it's a bit like being in the club you know if you're in the if you're in the know you're in the know and you know that and they've managed to preserve that um from i suppose the days i mean i think i'm pretty sure when i ordered english electric like you know it was ordered straight from the band and you know came in a kind of brown envelope you know that someone had kind of handwritten type thing um, and, you know, they've managed to keep that sort of, they, they've managed to increase their popularity, but also kept that kind of best kept secret type factor that yeah. people keep discovering them. And yet, you know, the, the last album, you know, got, you know, was placed really well in the, in the, um, in the sort of British rock album charts and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, just a truly brilliant amazing catalog brilliant band um very very worthy to be on the list as are lots of other bands that that, that we didn't get around to i mention. mean i'm certain we've we forgot a hundred bands we we do owe uh our good buddy dan a shout out to beardfish one of his favorite bands and another Indeed. band with the letter b that is also great and we wanted to give them a mention um well that was fun i always like this podcast it just gives us a chance to talk about such different things I enjoy yep. this one. I hope that we do the letter C <laughs> sometime before, this year, <laughs> four, three, four months from now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, no. 
Uh, tell us who and tell us who are the who the bees that we have missed are. And I, as we say, we know there's we know there's lots. Um, but um, yeah, let it let it let us know what 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 are your top three bees? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, all right, guys, thanks for checking in. And uh, you know, more podcasts to come. Uh, do tune in if you if you uh, hear this and stuck around. Uh, we have started doing a live stream on our YouTube channel. On, uh, right now it's on Saturdays, 10 a.m. Eastern, um, and uh, just for us to sort of have a little fun and talk about current events and just goof off and you can ask us questions and stuff like that. So uh, if you get a chance to join us and uh, interact a little bit, we'd love to see that. And uh, we'll see you all very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.